Thank you for joining us for Light on the Path, an ongoing conversation designed to encourage you from the Word of God as you walk with Him. Please take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd also love to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship at Eastside Baptist Church in Thomasville, Georgia. Be sure to see the show notes for more information and connect with us online at eastsidethomasville.org. Thanks again and enjoy the episode. Good Monday morning, July 31st, the last Monday of the month of July, facing August right around the corner. It's hard to believe that we're halfway through summer, uh, hopefully halfway through summer. Hopefully it doesn't extend too much beyond that. And we are glad you've chosen to start this day, this week with us here on Light on the Path. We are looking forward to spending some time in the Word of God today talking through a subject that uh, is often talked about. Um, but not often experienced, unfortunately. And so we are in the middle of a, or, or moving toward the end now of a, a focus on revival here at Eastside Baptist Church, a 12-week study on the topic of revival. And uh, we're going to spend some time today talking about the need for revival, uh, what the um, indicators of that need might be in our life. And so I'm, I'm glad to be joined this morning by our pastor, Pastor Sean Jacobs. Hi, I'm Sean Jacobs. I'm the senior pastor here at Eastside Baptist, and it's my privilege to accompany Pastor Bill as we discuss this topic of revival. I think we're on probably about week number 10 at this point of our revival, and it's really been a blessing uh, kind of following the Seeking Him devotional pattern that's laid out by uh, what used to be um, Life Action Ministries and now Revive Our Hearts kind of taking that and they just do a very much introspective heart approach to revival. Do you need it? And what's it going to take to get it rather than just the stereotypical um, Bible belt cultural revival where we just get together and they're, and they're good things, but just get together for some good preaching and some good singing, really looking at the heart of the matter and what revival means. And that's kind of what we're, we're leading with pastor bill today is do I need revival? That's such an important question. I think we do culturally have maybe a misconception of what revival is. Uh, when we talk about revival in culture today, we generally think to, especially those of us here in the Bible Belt, the idea of an organized event where we come together for the purpose of, of like you say, some good preaching, some good singing, a, a focus on God. But the reality is, biblically, revival is not a cultural event. Revival is a personal event. And Amen. if you look back through Scripture, uh, in the Old Testament, there's about 20 examples of God reviving His people, uh, the nation of Israel. As we study the Old Testament, we're doing that right now in our life groups. We are working through the Kings and Chronicles, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, the period of Judges we've just come out of. And we see that pattern in the nation of Israel of rebellion and then judgment of God and then repentance and then restoration of relationship or revival, and then again, rebellion. And so we see that pattern over and over again. And almost every time God brings revival into the nation of Israel, it's predicated on not a cultural event, but rather a personal event, a man or a woman responding to God's call in his life, God's invitation to relationship and responding to that in a way that leads to a spark that generates revival within the community. 
last week, if you listen to our podcast, we were talking about the life of Hannah. And Hannah, uh, through her opposition, through her struggles in her life and her trusting in God, uh, produced Samuel, who became one of those instigators of revival, a man who, um, through the word of God, through the preaching of the word of God, sparked revival in the nation of Israel. And so revival, biblically, is not a cultural event, and that's t- that tends to be where we land when we think about revival. We want a cultural revival. We want a nation, a, a national revival for America, or we want a revival within our church. But God's focus on revival is you and I personally. Do I need revival? And and so that's the question we're asking ourselves here at Eastside as we walk through this focus on revival. Uh, do I personally need revival? And uh, as we ask that question, one of the things that comes to mind is, how do I know if I need revival? And so God gives us, um, in his wisdom and sovereignty, gives us examples of that need through the book of Revelation. And so today we'll be in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. And so we're going to read a few verses here out of Revelation chapter 2, looking at the church at Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 7 says, Under the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know your works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come to thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. I'm going to pause there. I think I find it interesting, Pastor, that in his rebuke of the church at Ephesus, God points out their actions, and their actions are not bad actions. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, most of us, I think, if we could list off with truth and integrity the list of, of, of actions or activities that we were involved in, and it was this list, we'd feel pretty proud of ourselves, And yet God in that rebuke says, you're doing the actions, but you've lost, you've lost your first love. So as we ask ourselves the question, do we need revival? I think that's where the heart goes. Do we, have we, have we traded rites and rituals for relationship? Yeah, no, I think you're right. And actually, as we were studying these passages, we're, we're talking today about the church at Ephesus, the church at Sardis and the church of the Laodiceans. They all, in the first couple sentences, he says exactly the same thing, I know thy works. And he usually says something good about the church. There was something good. It wasn't that all of these churches were necessarily entirely wicked, um, but especially the church at Ephesus. They had a, a laundry list of good things they were doing, and really um, they were zealous to stand uh, for what was right and even rejected those who were against what was right. But what he boils it down to was a heart matter. You've left your first love. And that is the, that's the call of revival. The call of revival is God calling out in his grace and goodness, calling out to his, his church, his people, and saying, let's restore relationship. Uh, the, um, maybe the first evidence of revival in Scripture goes back to the original man and woman in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve rejected God's call for them, God's purpose for them, and sinned. They rebelled against God, and that rebellion created separation and yet God in his goodness and his grace comes into the garden in the cool of the evening and pursues Adam and Eve, pursues relationship. And that's the call to revival. 
And, and so as we ask ourselves with honesty and integrity, do I need revival? Is revival needed in my life? I think the first place that we start, the first place that we bore into is, is my faith a matter of my heart? Is it, is it driven out of a love and relationship for Christ? Or have I found myself resting in the routine of religion? Yeah, amen. It's interesting to me at the, at the end of each of these, he offers a time for repentance. Mm-hmm. So he points out, he says, I know your works, and this is our omniscient God. He knows everything that's going on, the good, the bad, what is pleasing to him, what's not. He points out what is not pleasing to him and then offers them an invitation to repent. And I, I know at the beginning of this revival this year, I, I had to ask myself that honest question, do I need to repent of something? Do I need revival? And that's really what it means. Hmm. Something is not right between me and God. I need to take some steps in a certain area. I need to reject something or add something, you know, put on, put off. Um, Whatever it is, there needs to be a turning. There needs to be a change in my life. And I had to answer that honestly. Yes. Yes, there needs to be. It's it's been a little sobering for me as we've walked through the study, Pastor, as I've realized the the offer for revival there's not a complicated process that we have to walk through to, mm-hmm. to experience revival. The offer for revival is, is an open-handed offer where God says, I'm offering grace, I'm offering restoration. There is a pattern, though, and, and we see it, Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. So if that happens in my life, then, then will I, then will God hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, I'll heal their land. And so... If I'm not experiencing revival in my life, it's not because the offer's not there. It's because I've, I've chosen to reject it. I'm not willing yeah. to repent, as you said, to yeah. turn away from what it is that I've placed over God in my life and, and, and follow that pattern of, of obedience and, and relationship with Christ. And so it's, a, it's been a sobering reality for me. This was, this was one of our starting points in the study for revival, and it's honestly... Uh, we're going to get to some of the other conversations that we've had, but this is one that God has really used to prick me and the idea of um, revival doesn't exist in my life because I, I don't want it to exist in my life. I'm more comfortable with what I've placed over God. So, And I, yeah. I think it bears mentioning too, Pastor Bill, that these, these are not, um, these seven churches in Revelation, these are not fictional churches. These are real places. Yes. They're all historically sound. And don't be confused by when it says unto the angel of the church. The word angel means messenger. Um, maybe it's possible it was speaking that maybe there's an angel assigned to each church, but really more likely that this is talking about a pastor or an elder of that church that was in charge of taking this actual letter to that actual church and reading it. God knew what was going on in that church. He knows what's going on in our churches, and he speaks to our churches for this need to repent of whatever needs to be repented of. Hmm. Moving on in the conversation through the book of Revelation, um, in Revelation chapter 3, God addresses the church at Sardis, and he has a different um, rebuke of the church at Sardis. He says that they have a reputation. Uh, they have a reputation of being alive and living church, but that inwardly, that they're dead. And, um, and so as we look at these things that we need to find in our life or, or, or evidences in our life of a need for revival, the first is have I replaced the relationship with Christ that he offers with uh, the rights and duties of religion. And I think that's um, that, first, that first level of review. Uh, the second level of review, th- this idea of, am I more concerned about what's going on externally? Am I, am I more concerned 
the church at Sardis was engaged in the process of protecting their reputation. It says they have a name, a reputation that you're alive. So they were, they were doing what they needed to do outwardly to appear like they had a relationship with, with their God. But inwardly, it says they were dead. And, and ultimately, God calls them to uh, uh, repentance, calls, rebukes them for this lack of um, concern about the inward the, the, the inner work of revival, the inward work of restoration and sanctification and that outward focus on. Um, yeah. And, and doesn't that even really point, I mean, it even goes on the next verse number two there. We're in chapter three, mm-hmm. verse two, it says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. So it wasn't that they weren't doing anything well. It was that honestly, they were hypocrites. Mm-hmm. They had this great name on the outside, but inwardly they were not matching up to what they were professing. And I mean, I think we've all been around that. Maybe even a, I'm not going to use the word victim because it's a matter of our own choices, but even being, having that aspect in our own lives that sometimes it's, as we talked about last night in one of our groups, it's easier to do than it is to be. Hmm. And we can take that lazy approach that I'm not pursuing God, but I'm going to keep up the outside because then, I mean, it's easier for me to kind of dismiss my lack of walk with God before God, almost as if he doesn't know, than it is to dismiss it before other people. And you see that, and, and God says, repent, that's, that's not right. I have, I have not found thy works perfect mm-hmm. before God. It's interesting. This is a pattern of um, religion, in all honesty. If, if that same, you use the word hypocrite, pastor, and that's the word that Jesus uses in his rebuke of the Pharisees, um, this is a pattern of religion, uh, cleaning up the outside, but being lazy about the inside. And so, um, again, as we're reviewing our need for revival, have I taken more concern over, am I, am, am I more concerned about what I look like on the outside than my, work, my walk with God on the inside? And then Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 22, the church at Laodicea. And I think many of us know this one because there's a... a, a popular, a, a, a well-known verse associated with it, an imagery that's associated with it. But God tells them, I know your works, that you're neither, hot, neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And I find it interesting that Jesus in his rebuke says, they're lukewarm. They're not producing, they're, they're not, they're not terrible. They're not evil in their actions, but they're not good in their actions. They're not producing either cold or heat. But the reason he gives for that verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And as I look at this rebuke of the church in Laodicea, this one strikes home personally as well. I think one of our struggles that we do in American church today is that we find ourselves equating comfort and ease and, and, and luxury with mm-hmm. the blessing of God. And that's kind of where they were living. They said, because of all the things I have, I don't have a need of anything. And that anything included their relationship with God. And so God says, because of that, your relationship has gone cold. Your, your, your love for me has gone cold. And I would, I would rather project you out of my mouth. I would rather get rid of you than um, you be in that stat. Yeah. State. Well, I, I can remember, and I think it's a little bit of human nature here that they're just experiencing the results of their own fallen nature. Because I think back on my life and I mean, when am I really the most motivated to do something? It's when I'm in some kind of dire situation 
the need is so great mm -hmm. and I know I have to do something about this or I'm going to self-destruct or my finances are going to really take, I'm going to go have to go bankrupt or I'm, you know, whatever the case may be, we see this great need and that great need um, motivates us according to our view of the need mm. on how badly we need to work and seek. And I, I think it's, God gives us so many parallel pictures throughout our lives. And as we look at our walk with him, as we look at how zealous we are for him, it's in direct proportion to how much we think we need him. It's our dependence on him, whether we think we're dependent or not. In the moment, we think we're not dependent on him anymore. Somehow we've arrived, as Paul said, our spiritual walk begins to decline almost immediately. It's interesting. I love the close of Revelation chapter 3. And, and uh, in each of these scenarios, God offers the, the, the course correction of repentance. Mm -hmm. So he, he offers repentance. Repent and go back to your first work, your first loves. But here is... Here is what repentance is. Um, repentance is responding to God. Repentance is you or I, as Christ followers, responding to the grace God offers, and that's described in verse 20. And this is a verse that's often used for salvation, um, often misquoted for salvation. It's actually Jesus talking to the church at Laodicea as he's described their state of being lukewarm, neither cold nor hot. Here's, here's, the, here's the resolution. Here's how to fix the problem. Verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. What a beautiful picture of God's heart for revival. And this is, this is what revival is. Revival, again, is not an orchestrated event that we put on, on for four or five days or for 12 weeks. Revival is the people of God hearing the voice of God. God, through his word and through his spirit, pricking our hearts and calling us back into relationship. And it's interesting, the picture of relationship here is just us sitting down with God and supping enjoying, and eating together, enjoying fellowship together. And that is Christianity. You know, Revelation chapter 2, the church at Ephesus, they had a list of works, and those works define their Christianity, um, at least by the rebuke that God gives them. God's definition of Christianity, God's definition of a, a vibrant, hot Christian walk is me being in relationship with my Savior. And what a beautiful offer that is uh, as, as God calls us into revival. Yeah, and, you know, th throughout my years in Christianity, it's almost as if this verse 20 that we just talked about in Revelation chapter 3, standing at the door and knocking, it's almost as if we can interpret that, that God is, this is a sign of weakness, hmm. that God is just waiting for us to go ahead and want him, um, as if he's begging for our attention. I, I think it's actually the opposite here. God, who has every right, authority, and strength mm. to knock that door down, refuses to do so. He requires us to open the door. He requires us to make a step in his direction. And we'll talk about this next week in James 4. If we'll make that step in his direction, he is ready. That, that is his mm. goodness. That is not a sign of weakness. Um, that is actually a sign of strength that he can put up with the junk that we... <laughs> inject into our walk with God and still be so long-suffering and kind and merciful and compassionate to such a sinful people that do not deserve his grace mm. whatsoever, and yet he stands there at the, at the door and offers this kind invitation to us. What a wonderful Savior. Um, Amen. We are, we are offered or gifted the opportunity for relationship with him, and so as you go through this first week of August, 
as you go about whatever God has in front of you through this week ahead, uh, ask yourself the question, do I need revival? Live in that question. Am I, have I traded relationship with duties or obligations or rituals? Am I, am I only concerned about the, uh, is pride driving my, my works? I'm concerned more about my outward reputation than my walk with God. And if you find yourself, as I have found myself answering in the affirmative to those questions, then take advantage of the beautiful invitation. Amen. Open the door. Uh, let him in. Walk with Christ this week. And, and just re-immerse yourself in that first love, that relationship that we have with our Savior. We hope you have a great week ahead. Looking forward to fellowship this Wednesday night here at Eastside Baptist Church. Come and be part of one of our fellowship groups. Join us Sunday morning as we continue our conversation around revival. Looking forward to hearing what God does in and through your lives this week. Have a blessed week. Amen. We would love to have you connect with us as well. So you can look in the show notes and uh, get on our website and plenty of opportunities and avenues to connect with Eastside Baptist Church. If we can pray with you or be a help to you in any way, please let us know. Have a wonderful week.